ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Simply Technical Podcast. Uh, your main host, Evan Lockhart. Co-host. Keaton Miner. Keaton Miner. And I'm Chance Turner. And this is our special guest, Chance. Uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. Those listening on other platforms, sorry you don't get a video feed. Um, but make sure you check us out on the other platforms. Should be uploaded on YouTube and Spotify. But for our agenda for today's podcast, we're going to talk about Elon Musk mainly. Then we're going to go into Mars. A little bit of SpaceX stuff, renewable energy. And if we have time, AI. And maybe a little bit of ranting on Chance's part. <laughs> uh, but let's get into it. Uh, first, Elon Musk. So for those of you, you, you probably know him. I'm sure most of you know him. I hope you know who he is. If you don't know who he is, then Just stop watching this. You, uh, need to, <laughs> you need to hit the pause button and check out a video on him. Uh, hit Wikipedia. Very reliable. But for those of you, we're going to talk about Tesla uh, first. So what do you guys think about Tesla? Uh, the new products? Are they impressing you? I mean, I mean, yeah, because you, if you think about it, the the amount of technology that's in their mo- even just the Model Three, for I think it's it starts at what thirty five thousand. That's the lowest end model. I think so. It's it's outrageous. So so my fiance just bought a new car. She bought it for, uh, actually, I probably should leave that part out. <laughs> she got a good deal. She got she got a good good car, but it, I mean, relative to the Tesla, if. I've always said, I was like, honestly, just, I need to, we can just save up a little bit more money and we can just get a Tesla because look how much nicer the, just the features are in that thing. So yeah, it looks like the base model is $32,000 for the model three. And I think it's like 5,000 to add the, uh, extended range, maybe not the extended range. It's the, uh, the AI system that. Yeah, like the self-driving. On self-driving, yeah. Like that. It's like five grand add-on. Yeah, full self-driving capability coming this year, $6,000. That's so 30, not bad $38,000, give or take. That's sticker price, too. And, you know, some of you guys out there are probably good finaglers. And, oh, and you, you, pay, pay, you pay sticker price. You pay sticker price? Tesla, you pay sticker price. Let's Yikes. be honest. But, I mean, that sounds like a great deal. I mean, what other kind of battery cars are out there? I mean, I don't really I don't know anything you else. You said... I'm sure Ford's getting into it. Yeah, so I feel like a lot of the car companies are starting to jump on board now that the Tesla's been out for a while. Um, we saw a Nissan come in pretty early with the Nissan Leaf back in 20, 2009, maybe 2010. Uh, Chevrolet came out with the Volt as kind of its competitor for the Leaf. And then are everybody's those... kind of jumping on board now. Chevrolet's got a full electric. Uh, okay. Full electric called a Bolt with a B, which is super, super awful naming. Because um, they have a Volt with a V, which is a hybrid that goes, that's the last year is this year, I think, 2019. And then the Bolt is its, it, you know, successor or whatever. It's full electric. It's like 120 miles of range. Uh, but anyway, so you we got the Volt from Chevrolet, the Bolt. Uh, anyway, the Bolt's successor. Moving on. Ford's supposed to come out with a new one, I think, released 2020. Something like that. Released 2020. Ford, so soon. Ford's so getting a new car. Earliest of six months and then after, you know. After that, the twelve months, but so those yeah. most of those that you've said are hybrids, though. So Tesla is really one of the first all-electric cars. If 
if I'm not wrong. Right, Tesla's definitely a big competitor in the market, and they were definitely the first to the premium electric car. I think uh, Nissan Leaf may have beat them to the full electric car, um, but they were definitely the first to put out a premium electric car with a Model S. Uh, the Chevrolet Bolt is a full electric, uh, sitting at 120-ish miles, I think. No, 238, 238 miles in a Bolt. Uh, the Leaf is a full electric with 100-and-something miles. Uh, Ford's new car will be a full electric, 100 I don't know how many. I don't know what the mileage is, but it's coming out soon. Uh, but yeah, one thing with Tesla is they've been super reliable. So Tesla's been super reliable about being their batteries being good, uh, being a good car. The Leaf and some of the other car manufacturers that that started to do electric cars definitely had some issues early on uh, with reliability. Like the Nissan Leaf, for instance, most of their packs they replaced most of their packs with eighty thousand miles, and uh, they've had almost zero. I don't know what the number is, but very few Tesla packs come out to be to be replaced like early on, and they've have three hundred. You know they've been out for quite a while now, still three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand miles on some of those battery packs, and they're still running strong. And so that's definitely a big a big deal that Tesla's put out is they actually have a good battery, which is important when that's all you have. Well, I know that reliability hasn't been a huge issue when it comes to the electric engines, but I remember you know several years ago when. Elon was first talking about the car, the Tesla cars, that the battery pack was was vital and how expensive they are and how much re- research he's done. And he's even started his own battery company, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and yeah. That was this big, that, that big deal was that reliability with the battery pack. Yeah, exactly. And so the lithium batteries is what he uses a, a lithium battery in his car and it's a it's definitely a big deal, right? Because it's the only energy source you have. It's how you're storing your energy to move. And so uh, it's definitely a huge deal. And whenever he first got started, lithium battery packs were insanely expensive uh, here in the U.S. and even abroad. Uh, but he's definitely been pushing to bring a pretty – he's partnered with LG. He's partnered with LG or Panasonic. I'll look it up. Anyway, partnered with LG or Panasonic for his Gigafactory. And so that's who makes the majority of his batteries for, your, for his uh, cars that are produced in the Gigafactory. Uh, hold on. And uh, so what I'm what I'm getting from this is the Tesla car is really on the edge of on the cusp of the technology. Uh, seems like they're pushing the boundaries there. Uh, they're doing what's right. Um, I know that he's had issues with producing enough cars with the demand. Uh, I, I believe that was an issue. Is am I, am I correct in that? Was the manufacturing? It was just the lead time to get one of your cars out was was ridiculous. Yeah, he's definitely having an issue right now, and this is partly just due to the fact that Gigafactory is not ba- not complete yet. Um, but he's definitely had an issue getting cars out, with, especially with the low low price Model Three recently. I mean, it's just such a low price car that allows normal normal Americans to get in on the deal, and so he's definitely having an issue here recently getting those cars on the road and out of the factory. Uh, there's been a big push to uh, like three thousand cars a month or something as goal. And I think he made it for a few months, and then they had some issues with the with the factory. So anyway, this kind of been working some of that out. But he's definitely like that's definitely his big deal is trying to get the the, the product the, vol- the, the volume up, yeah. uh, trying to get more cars out the door. Yeah. So uh, correction, it's Panasonic that he's partnered with in the Gigafactory. So Panasonic who makes a lot of those batteries for the the Tesla. I mean, that's a smart business deal for them. Yeah. Wait. I so mean, what do you think about the uh, the amount of debt they've racked up and the fact that they're not necessarily turning out a profit? Um, well, look at every other, every other thing, every other car manufacturer in industry. Uh, we definitely don't have a car manufacturer yeah. currently that's that's not in a huge amount of debt. Uh, we've 
I mean, we've seen Ford was one of the few that didn't get bailed out in the you know those seven oh eight time frame. So I think Tesla's doing just fine, even though they're racking up some debt. I mean, that's some that's kind of just a price you got to pay to play the game, basically to to get to build all that up, uh, to build up the sales and to build up all your factory and everything, right? Because Musk is pouring an insane amount of resources into building his batteries and get his, yeah. his factories set up and all this stuff set up. And so here in five or six years, he's just going to reap the rewards from all of that investment, right? So he's yeah. put a lot of money on the line right now, assuming everything's going to keep selling, but he's definitely going to reap the rewards here in the next 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years. You know, that Gigafactory is going to be around for a while and he just built it. Yeah. So yeah. He's got a long life left on that factory. And so I think he's making a, He's making a big investment into 20 years down the road. May not be yeah, today, yeah. but definitely 20 years but, down the road. But what about the idea that, so, I mean, it's still, it's a large company, but it's still relatively small compared to Ford, isn't it? Oh, so, for sure. So couldn't they easily use the technology that Musk has built pretty much? Uh, Steal it, yes, almost? Yes, exactly. Because it's not patented, I don't think. Right, right, yes. I mean, ever, anybody could do it. Um, we see this a lot with the bigger companies, right, is... Somebody will have an have something you want to do, but the big company gets complacent, right? And yep. so these big companies have been making cars for a hundred years. They're just like, eh, we're gonna make cars. We're not yeah, gonna make yeah. cars. Why would we make anything other else? You know, else. And that's before Musk came in the game. There wasn't really a big push to go the the full electric route. And but that's been kind of his thing. It's it's one of his things that he wants to accomplish is make electric cars viable. And uh, so I think that's been a big push to get the other players on board. And we we are seeing them do it now. Yeah. You know, right, with, with Ford coming out in 2020 with a new car, we've got a couple Chevrolet options, we've got some Nissan options, we're getting uh, hybrid pickups, Chevrolet makes a hybrid pickup, uh, we're getting more and more options, uh, as soon as Tesla comes out with a hybrid pickup, everybody else is going to follow suit, we're going to see a bunch more hybrid pickups or, or full electric pickups, and so I think Tesla's just helping to drive the industry in that direction, uh, without some push to change, everything's just, you know, people get complacent and nothing changes. Yeah. The companies are satisfied with the products they're putting out. People may not be a hundred percent satisfied, but they get the job done, so they don't really complain. Right. I mean, if and you're... so they require one company to to push the bounds and push the other companies. Hey, looks like they're doing okay. We can go into this and steal their idea. And I mean, usually the second or third iteration uh, that company uh, for that product usually comes out on top. Uh, they figure out a different way to innovate it, and they learn from the other company's mistakes. And and come out on top is is what I'm trying to say. That happens in other industries. Apple, you know, they weren't the first to come out with the iPhone or with a smartphone, but they, you know, yes. right? They were they the first the, to make it viable, right? right? Make it make it a consumer product. Yeah, basically. I mean, if you're making a product and you're making money, like, why are you going to change your product, right? You just you want to keep making the product, making money, right? You, how do you tell your investors like, hey, we're going to go have this pet project that's going to cost a lot of money, and we don't know if it's actually going to sell, right? So you, you know, it's a lot easier for a company that's established has been around for quite a while to just sit there and keep doing what you've been doing, right? Uh, but it's a lot easier for a startup whenever Musk, you know, he got a lot of money out of PayPal, and so that's kind of where some of his startup money came from. And so he has this big idea, and it's a lot easier for him to go implement that than a big company to come back and say, you know, hey, we want to go pour a ton of money out to something we don't know if it's going to work or not. But now that's been proven, you can see all the other companies kind of stepping up their game and, and getting in on it. And you said earlier, electric truck. What other kind of products are the industry going towards in battery-operated cars? Yeah, I mean, I think electric trucks will be a big deal. Um, I'm not really sure how they're going to fit in the kind of the whole grand scheme of things. 
right? I think they're going to kind of fill the consumer side of the pickup, not necessarily like the actual people that use them for contracting and people that use it for actual work, trailers. Mm -hmm. right, more like a work truck. I don't know if they're going to target that market, that side of the market, or if they're going to target more of the the consumer. Like, hey, I pull my boat to the you know the dock every weekend or every other weekend, right to go to the lake, or you know, I kind of occasionally use my pickup yeah. or you know to go get stuff from Lowe's, that type of stuff. I don't think that I think that's where they're going to target, right? The people that like a high end pickup, especially with Tesla, they're going to target those people that like a high end pickup uh, that just use it around town and maybe pull their boat to the you know the lake the weekend or something, um, because I just can't see. A lot of the people that want a work truck spending the money it's going to require to buy an electric pickup. Well, I know there's one company, actually, a very small uh, small electric vehicle company that only produces electric trucks right now. I think it's Rivarian is what it's called. And uh, I think they're priced at like 90000 So Yeah, Rivarian. So it says a 2020 R R1T EV. Uh, I just pulled up a Motor Trend article. So I mean, if they really are ninety thousand, I, I mean, mean, not one hundred percent sure on the price because it's been a while since I've heard, but they're not cheap. Well, if we say that they're ninety thousand, I mean, you can get a nice, you know, F one fifty. Oh, ninety grand gets you the top of the line in any current pickup. In, yeah, in anywhere. I mean, you get top of the line F three fifty diesel tricked out with the you know. So I mean, you like shouldn't big, be big tax package or whatever, right? When you get a you know this ninety that say it's ninety thousand dollar truck. I mean, you shouldn't expect a Ford Ranger uh, on this, right. <laughs> on that low end. I, I mean, I would hope you would get, you know, for that price tag, I'd hope you get something. There's a $69,000 starting oh, price that's tag. Not, that's not terrible. Not terrible. That's like top-end pickup still in, on a half-ton, dude. That's sort of like top-end pickup or a half-ton. For an electric truck with 400-mile range. 400-mile range is quite a bit. Well, Musk, in some of his tweets, when he was talking about this new electric truck, and it's been, you know, a year or so since he's talked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He talked about it for the working class. Yeah. That might have been, you know, just a dream of his. I don't know how viable that is. But. Yeah. Because he talked about charging batteries, you know, yeah, your drill. Yeah, power and tools. Power and, tools and, off yeah. of it. Yeah. And that could have been just to drive the stock of his. It's mobile generator pretty yeah, much. Yeah. It could have been to just drive his, uh, the stock up on his company, but. Right, and he has definitely talked about the fact that he wants uh, kind of more of the contractor working, you know, electrician, that type of person using it. But let's be honest, are you going to go tear up a $50,000 pickup? Because I guarantee you, like, I've worked in the construction, you tear your pickup up. You're not you're not nice to your pickup whenever you're working out of it. No, I, go I completely understand $50,000 pickup and go be mean to it? Like, who's going to do that? I Maybe wouldn't... here in three years when they start, you know, probably the price starts backing down yeah. a little bit. But uh, I definitely don't. I see them as, you know, the toy pickup, not necessarily the working pickup, at least to start out. And as the price drops, as more companies start to produce them. Right, right. Use Tesla electric pickups, you know, three or four or five years old in the used market. I guarantee you every one of those is going to contractors for uh, sure. I mean, as someone who drives a hybrid yourself, how much do you spend roughly on, on gas? Oh, driving a hybrid is awesome, um, especially ones with decently long range and plug-in. Uh, so one of the bigger deals about a hybrid is being able to plug it into electricity and not only use gasoline to power it. Uh, so like the Prius is a hybrid, but it doesn't have a plug-in feature. And so you still have to use gasoline to charge the battery. However, there are cars, you know, like the Volt is what I drive. And so the Volt's a plug-in hybrid and it gets 36-ish miles on a, on a charge. And so I just plug it in at night. I go to work and come back and it's like a dollar a day. And I 
drive a pretty good commute. I drive a 34-ish mile commute every day. And so it's like a dollar versus like four and a half dollars a day for my commute. And so it's like, it's insanely cheap. And you don't have a lot of the maintenance that comes along with the, the gasoline engine, right? You don't have to change the oil near as often. You don't have a lot of those maintenance items that you would normally have, air filters, uh, things like that, that you that you would on an internal combustion with electrics because electric doesn't have near the moving parts of an internal combustion engine has. Now, I got a question about electric engines. Chance, you might know about this, you might not. Are they more efficient than a combustion engine? You have to define more efficient, right? And so it, per energy input, they're insanely more efficient, right? And so if you're talking about just electrical energy input, they're insanely more efficient, right? You're talking to like an 80, 85, maybe even 90% on some of the AC motors efficiency rate to take electricity uh, into uh, into move into uh, mechanical yeah. energy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. To move. Uh, gasoline engine, you're talking like 17, 18, 20%. I knew, I knew combustion engines were not all that great. You know, like you said, 17% is, is the number that I've always heard. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely and a lot of that is due to or even heat lo- losses or it's all in heat, dude. You're you're, uh, you're blowing up something, right? You're lighting something on fire. So most of the energy is translated to fire, not to you know expanding air, yeah. right? So the expanding air is how you get your mechanical energy. You go, you get your kinetic energy out of it, and so yes, a lot of that is translated into heat right out of your tailpipe. Hmm. So it sounds, with my engineering mind, I think about efficiencies, and I would want to go towards an electric car or something with an electric motor because it's more efficient. And and personally, just because of efficiency, I, I like that efficiency knowing I get the most bang for my buck. Right. And, but it ultimately comes down to how you're getting the energy, right? So we get energy from fossil fuels like gasoline or whatever, right? Uh, so that is a very, very, very energy dense fuel. But how do we get it for electricity, right? How do, where does our electricity come from? Our electricity comes from coal, nuclear. I mean, there's a little bit of solar, you know, wind now. So it depends on, you kind of got to look at a bigger picture when you're talking about plug-in electrics because that electricity has to come from somewhere, right? So do you have a local power, you know, do you have a home solar system or do you have a coal power plant you're powering it off of, right? So where does that energy come from? So it's not just your your own vehicle. It's you got to look at a little bit bigger picture to figure out where the electricity coming from. So your efficiency is personal of your 85%, but in the grand scheme, when you're getting from a coal plant or your local, you know, power plant, they're most likely using the cheapest option, which is usually fossil fuels. Right, right. So you're still using those fossil fuels to produce a lot of your energy. Uh, we have a lot of coal in the U.S., right? So you're still using a lot of fossil fuels for the for the electricity, right? And so you will be it will be more efficient, right? Power plants are definitely more efficient than an internal combustion engine because they actually care about the heat, right? They use heat to drive the turbines, and so they are a lot more efficient, but they're still not. You're you're you can't still not eighty five percent. Right, you, yeah, you're definitely losing more than more than that. You're lo- losing quite a bit, and uh, by the time you create it, right, turn the heat into mechanical energy to spin the generator and to to get it across the country wherever it's going, right, however far it's got to go, it's got line losses and stuff, transformer losses. So you're definitely losing a decent amount in that transition. So you're definitely not like you can't say you're ninety percent efficient because you got to plug in high, you know an electric car, but your your local efficiency you're, you're is, definitely is probably increasing the best. your efficiency because it's definitely not twenty percent, right? So you're definitely better than twenty percent, but you're still definitely not not up there until you get into maybe solar or something where it's not it's a renewable energy source and you don't really care a whole lot about uh, the energy input at that point in time when it's renewable. You don't care as much about the energy input. With your hybrid car, do you have any complaints? 
uh, from the hybrid technical side of it, not the it's a Chevy or you know it's yeah the user interface is a little re- uh, not too, not that great on like the just the controls and stuff but that's all interior just Chevrolet kind of borked it up a little bit um, the electric part is awesome I mean it's quiet to drive it took me a while to get used to it because it doesn't make any noise when you're moving it like you turn it on and it's a power button not a start button right it literally just turns the car on and you're moving uh, the plus side of it is the uh, the climate controlled so remote climate controlled. I would call it remote start. Like most cars have a remote start, but it's but the remote, car doesn't start. The car doesn't start, so it's remote climate control. <laughs> so you can hit the button, you know, a ways away, and, and get your the climate, you know, get the AC or heater or whatever going, and that's freaking cool because it doesn't start the motor right; it just starts using your battery to cool off or heat the car. So that's pretty cool uh, because you don't have that spin up time of the motor and warming up the motor and everything. So you're definitely a lot more efficient in that aspect of it. Is you can just turn on the AC and you're not wasting a lot of energy to start the engine. Um, but no, it's been it's been great. Uh, I ended up being pretty lucky, and I've got an almost brand new battery in mine, which mm-hmm. is awesome, even though it's a 2012. Uh, but no, it's been great. So good. Yeah. So I'm gonna kind of transition this a little bit because I'm out of the engineering loop a little oh. bit. <laughs> so so the uh, self driving capabilities of tes- Tesla, right now, we can't really utilize them. If you have, I mean, you can utilize it for to to an extent, right. but at what point do you think? We're going to completely transition to this self-driving. Well, I think the technology is almost there. But yeah. the question of, I don't know if your question is, your, is, is the technology there or is your question more on the lines of when will we actually transition? Right? Kind of both. I think there's kind, kind of, of two different answers. Yeah. I think we're basically there technology-wise. right? Yeah. I think the, the Tesla's proven it. We've had quite a few other companies that are, are kind of proving it. Uber's got a, a pretty good system going. Google's got a smart a self-driving car they've been driving around. And so from a technological standpoint, I think we just need some more time you know, just more time to work out some more, some more of the pieces. Uh, but I think we're almost there, just technology-wise, and and being able to drive on a road. You know, in, interpret road size, interpret who's where. You know, get locations of other vehicles, make sure we're not going too fast, too slow. All of that, GPS, like all the stuff that we have to have is there. It's just a matter of perfecting that to better than human, uh, to 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 be driving better than a human, right? So a human driver is. Is not the greatest in the world. We're pretty good, right? There's not that many wrecks compared to how many cars run. Some of us are better than others, (laughs) (laughs) and so um, we just got to get better than humans. And I think we're good. Um, But the other flip side of that answer your question is is the political like how do we feel about not driving our cars anymore? Yeah, right. So you turn 16. That's the big thing. You get a driver's license. What happens when you don't have to get a driver's license? 16 doesn't matter anymore, right? Yeah, I mean people are terrified of riding in airplanes and it's because they don't have control so right right which makes no sense because you are far more likely to die in a car crash than you are in a plane crash so. statistically yes yes yeah, statistically right it's but just when you die in an airplane it's a very it's a pretty pretty sure like you're pretty sure yeah you're, you're gonna die like, you're definitely gonna die if the airplane crashes i guess car these crashes, guys haven't seen solely yet. Die. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't seen solely check out that movie right um so anyway so right so there's there's the side of not having control of it but there's also the kind of the freedom you get when you, you start driving, you know, that freedom of, oh, I can actually go somewhere, you know, that side of things. And it's how comfortable are you with a computer just being on the road with you, right? Yeah. You trust a computer to drive better than the human, a human would have. Yeah, I so, do. <laughs> so the next talking point to your question was, when do we think all cars will be self-driving or... Do you think that 
The well, nuke, all the well, nuke first, parts will be. I mean, first it has to be legal to be completely self-driven, and then eventually, once that happens, we'll move on to all cars being self self-driving vehicles. But would those cars have driving capabilities? Will they have steering wheels for for people? I mean, eventually, I, I think would there think... has to be an override, just in case there's a malfunction. I've seen iRobot quite a few times, and there's a self-driving in that. And Will Smith takes over and he crashes. So, so, so he's more error prone. He was also getting attacked by AI, so <laughs> that right. might have played a little influence into it. But right, and so to kind of go down that road, right? Um, so do you have an override? I think the answer is yes, because there are a lot of roads that don't exactly look like roads, and you may want to go down, right? Or do you want to go down this freaking corn path, right? That right? There's a lot of roads. You know, fire roads or just dirt roads that don't typically look like a road to a to a, car or a computer, but they're actually a road you want to drive down. So I think there's enough roads in the country, in at least the United States, I can speak for that don't actually look like roads that you would need some sort of override for the cases that the car couldn't handle yet. Because I think dirt roads would be a big thing that the current self-driving cars couldn't handle. Right? There's no lines. I I agree with that. Which. <laughs> How does so it know where to go? There's it, no lines. We call it AI. Right. Is it actually... It's deciding, but it's pre-programmed. It takes input, correct? So, correct me if I'm wrong. It takes input and says, this is a road. I need to stay between these lines. It's not... I, I'm not even sure how to put it, but... Right, and so there's there's kind of two, two ways to do it, right? You could define a rule set like, hey, you should stay inside the lines. You should... Read the speed limit sign. If it says 60, only go 60, right? If there's somebody in front of you, slow down to where your XYZ feet behind them, right? There's some of those rules you can put in place uh, to start going down the path of self-driving. But then there's a certain part where where you start to lose, uh, like you can't actually strictly define the problem, right? And so there's a lot of instances on the road, you can't strictly define how the, how the road works and how other drivers are driving. And so some of that, and this is kind of where the, the AI term pl- comes into play, is is we don't know how to solve the problem from the inputs that are given. And so we kind of tell the computer what we think the solution is, and we hope it can kind of figure out how to get there from the inputs, right? And so take, taking the, the radar and the GPS and you know, the drivers, the visual camera inputs, and different inputs that the car is getting, we kind of know how the, what the output should look like. And so we can kind of help coax the computer that way, but we ultimately hope the computer can figure out how to take the inputs and get the output we want. Because we a lot of the problems can't be strictly defined, like stay inside the lines, right? Because there's there's cases where you don't want to stay inside the lines. You may want to merge you may, may want to move a lane, right, to pass somebody. Or you may want to get off to exit, right? So there's there's cases where some of that starts getting a little fuzzy on and it's not near as strictly defined. And so that's kind of where you start getting an AI realm of we can strictly define the problem and we can strictly define the solution, but we can't strictly define how to get from the problem to the solution. That's very interesting. My professors in college always said there's no hope in engineering, but it sounds like there's a lot of hope in that. There's a lot of hope in it because the computers are going to figure it out. <laughs> we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to be that smart. And doesn't it, when it comes to AI, doesn't it get, the computer gets better as, these, so the, every Tesla is hooked up to whatever mainframe Tesla is running. Right. And it's just gathering data as every car is driving. I think, right. I think they hit a billion miles driven like a couple months ago so. self-driven I'm self-driven uh, i think just driven just driven, just driven. Just driven. yeah yeah because they take a lot of your data and ship it back to the you know tesla computers back at their 
I don't know where they're at, but anyway, yeah, they, they take a lot of your data that you're probably a you're driving, right? And so there's a lot of things like speed, how you know how long you press the brake pedal, gas pedal. You know, there's a lot of these these things that they would that's really good to know because you can start observing how people drive, and so the data is super helpful. So that's one thing they're definitely gathering. So it's live experiments, in, uh, in essence. It's not all about live experiments, but they're definitely watching you drive. <laughs> so so someone could hack my Tesla and assassinate me is what you're saying, pretty much. Um, well, there's a lot easier ways to find you. So. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot easier ways on hacking a Tesla to find you. Everyone wants to assassinate Keaton, yeah, so be exactly. careful. Never ride with him. Right. Uh, but, yeah, to your point, right, the more data you have, right, so if you know the input, yeah. so the more input you have and the more, and so we, we know what the input is and we know what kind of what the output is because we have the output of that, right? We have the inputs of the gas pedal, the brake pedal, the steering wheel, and we have the outputs of the car was in this position on the road, the car was in this location, this GPS location, the car was you know, behind this car, the car was here, right? And so we have a lot of the outputs too. So that those those observed miles that Tesla can gather are a huge amount, a huge wealth of data that we can help to that we can put into the computer model to try to to help make those decisions better, right? So the more more data we can feed it, especially with a well defined input to an output, we can feed it that, and it can kind of make the correlations without us making the correlation. Yeah, right. Sense. And so, so that's just a ton of, of strictly, you know, of actual inputs to actual outputs that the computer can then model to help define the, how to drive. Yeah. So the police, when you have an accident, they can call call Tesla and say, hey, what, what kind of outputs? They can also call Chevrolet or Ford or any other car company. If your car is OnStar, they know exactly what was happening. The government's watching, guys. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so there, there are... Most car companies do this. I feel like uh, definitely OnStar cars have all the capabilities to know exactly where you're at. You know what what's happening. The last I don't know. They probably keep data forever. Um, but it's not just it's not just Tesla. My uh, Buick, can, my 2005 can, Buick has call up OnStar, Apple so. and see where your phone was at and how fast you're going and if you're on your phone or not. Apple does not have my permission, even though I accepted the terms. Apple does not. I didn't read Apple them. Apple definitely knows where you're at and I didn't read them guys. if you're on your phone or not. <laughs> I accepted them, but I did so not read. They could just call Apple, well, or Google. Good thing I have, don't get in car accidents. Knock on wood. Or AT and T, or Sprint. They see you just in a text five seconds before the accident. Well, I don't text and drive, so and neither should you. All right. Uh, next talking point. So we talked about renewable energy. With coal, I mean, not renewable, but we talked about the energy industry right uh renewable we have wind solar and nuclear those are kind of the main ones right uh i don't even know if there's any others i'm sure there are yeah like you can get geothermal like there's water there's uh like a dams right we use dams hydroelectric hydroelectric for turbines so where do we think that industry is going i know that solar is getting a lot more efficient and cheaper Mm, a lot is kind of a that's relative it's definitely relative that's relative right but you can buy a solar panel, flexible solar panel, on Amazon for pretty cheap. Uh, I know that when yeah, it's still it's still not cheap compared to the price you pay per kilowatt hour from the electric company, right? So that's know, that's the ultimate problem is it's still not that cheap, All right? Because we pay right around ten cents a kilowatt hour, right, for electricity. That's pretty cheap. That sounds cheap. I'm 10, glad I split it three ways. So, uh, <laughs> right. So if you if you buy a hundred watt solar panel for a hundred bucks. A 100-watt solar panel has to run for quite a while to get down to $0.10 cents per kilowatt hour. Yeah, just the initial investment of that. 
well, the room, not the rumor, the, the way that people talk about solar energy is that it's inefficient. It is inefficient, but we're talking about the energy input of the sun. That's a big energy input. I agree with you. Let me finish my talking line. point. Let me finish my talking point. So people say that it's inefficient, but it's around twenty percent, right? Right, right, right. It's it's around there. It might be you know some you know more expensive ones are going to be combustion engines. Yeah. So why why are people fighting so much on a solar panel of oh it's inefficient I don't want that but yet the car that they drive every day you know is fifteen percent seventeen percent efficient. I don't think they know their car seventeen percent efficient. That's not widely accepted and known? Uh, probably not. I guess they not. Know no, you, I didn't know. <laughs> you know you get 30 miles a gallon and you're happy. Because a gallon is $2.50. So you're happy with 30 miles a gallon. Why do you need to change it? You're not happy with the, how expensive solar panels are. But like I said, they're, they're getting cheaper. They're, they're becoming flexible. Uh, when I was in Europe a couple of years ago, specifically in Germany, they had quite a bit of solar panels on roofs. They... Right. They they embraced it. I don't know if that's a whole European thing. That's, that's definitely a European, a European thing. It's more more progressive over there. I, I that's something that I would love to do progressive wise, at least for myself and even the United States. I right, mean, and I think it's just a matter of uh, putting the investment in. So uh, I feel like Europeans are probably more long term thinking than Americans are. Uh, I'm, Maybe I'm wrong. That's a generalization, but we'll accept it. We'll accept it uh, for right now. Americans are typically right now, like I want it right now. Like we have cell phones and Starbucks and McDonald's, Netflix and McDonald's and Chick Fil A and name anything else you can get like right now. Literally, like right now, hop in your car and get it. And so a lot of this that solar panels are more of a long term game, right? And so you put up your money, and it may take six, seven, eight years to pay back. Right, so it's a long term play. Like you just poured ten grand into this thing, and it takes eight, nine years to make sense. So, and I think another issue with the solar panel industry is when you get this energy and you have an excess, you typically sell it back to the company, the you know local electrical company. Right. I think as of right now, they're required to buy it back. Required is kind of a stretch. Um, there, it is. There are some laws in place, and different states have different rules about how uh, how it works. But there are rules about how what they can buy, what they buy back, how much they buy back for. Um, usually, there's it just varies by state, right? So Oklahoma is one of the worst states. Texas is one of the better states. It just varies by state of of what they'll do for you. California is pretty good. Um, whether they'll buy it back at the same rate that you bought it for, or whether or not yeah, they buy it back, you know, at a lower rate or whatever, right? And so. Yeah, part of that is just the inconsistency with electric companies and, and them not wanting to buy it back because they don't want to buy it back. They're not making any money if they buy it back at the same price because they're just going to sell it to somebody else at the same price. It's zero money. And a lot they have they to do the work. Money. They have to do the work as right. well. They're, they're keeping up with all the all the utility poles, all the transmission lines, right? And yeah. so buying it back from you at the same price you bought it for just doesn't make sense for a lot of them. Right? Just because it requires them, it requires them more work, if I'm not mistaken. Unless they're more work, but they're definitely doing maintenance on all of the equipment you're using to transmit that from your house to your neighbor's house. So that's an interesting point, right? And so if if we were, I don't I don't even know if that's the problem. I think the problem is just the fact that uh, it's so expensive. It's still too expensive for it to make sense in most homes. And 
we're very wasteful uh, in the United States with our electricity. And so I think part of it's just the fact that most homes have to have an insanely huge system to be completely independent or to have excess, right? And so especially with how, uh, just how much energy we use from day to day, it, you have to have an insanely huge system, right? If you're living in a smaller place, like, you know, if you have a, a, a one-bedroom apartment, a 1,200 yeah. square foot house versus a 3,000 square foot house is a big difference on how much energy it takes, right? And so I think it's just the investment uh, and how much energy we actually use, you know, so that solar system has to be 12 kilowatts or 13 kilowatt hours or 13 kilowatts, right? And so it's got to be a big solar system. And so it's just the investment part of it, I think, is still the big, still the big factor for a lot of America. Okay. I know here in Oklahoma we have big wind turbines. I know the wildlife may not appreciate the the big turbines, but I mean I'm in the rural areas, you know, I don't mind a big turbine. Right. I don't know about you guys, but you know, having thirty wind turbines it's not that big a deal, but they're not very efficient either. I mean, I mean, I don't know very much about the renewable energy space, but did you say you said wind you turbines don't, in urban spaces them. or no, in, rural, rural. oh, okay, I thought you said in urban space. I was gonna say that there's no not enough wind. Yes, <laughs> on top of the Devon Tower, I'd really yeah. just love. <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't think it, I'd really love a huge wind turbine. I mean, that would probably make us make it one of the taller buildings in America. So let's go for it. I'm all for it. Let's sign this legislation. <laughs> But is wind on the, since these other ones, other renewable energies are, you know, making a surge, right? does wind start to die down? I think wind's an interesting play, right? And so there's kind of a couple sides to that coin. Wind's kind of interesting, right? And so wind, the plus side of wind is it generates for 24 hours a day, right? And so solar, you only get about six usable hours a day. So you have to get all of your energy in six hours and store it overnight. But wind, on the other hand, winds usually die down at night, but they're still blowing, right? And so you can, you, you know, something that makes energy for 24 hours. That's a lot a, more. Right, it's a lot longer of a time. Right, right. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot easier to get a good average, right, average out power output than if you're six out of 24. And so that's another part. Another that's something huge, I hadn't thought about. But. Huge downside of solar is the fact that you got six out of 24 hours a day that you're making decent solar power. And by wind, you know, you might be making 12, 14, 16 hours a day making wind power. So that's an interesting, so that that's a plus, right? Because you don't have to have as much energy per hour because right? you're a lot, doing a lot more hours. They're kind of left alone. I mean, I don't know how much maintenance goes into those things. I'm sure they have, you know, scheduled maintenance. Right. An interesting thing that I haven't dug into would be the, uh, if winds shift over time, right? So if they put a wind farm in that's currently got wind, does it still have wind in 10 years? They'll have wind in twenty years. So is that weird? That wind kind of shift because the climate just kind of shifts slightly, and that wind starts shifting to a different area, and they just put up twenty-five year turbines, and they're not making power at ten years. Bad investment. <laughs> so what I'm thinking is they do shift, because I know that those what are, are they called jet streams that are way up in the right in the sky. I know those shift a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you're not going to get to a point where there's zero wind, but if say the climate you know shifts or changes. Uh, right, but the problem, you know, if you're making wind 16 hours a day and that wind goes down to two hours a day, that you're spending those turbines, that's a big difference. You become, your investment, you know, you lost a lot of money if, right. that, if you, something like you that put happens. put in the wrong spot. That's why you pay somebody a lot of money to, to figure out where the wind's going to gonna figure gonna out be. Where the wind's gonna we be. don't know where the winds are going to be, fun fact. Well, 
the plus side of the sun is it's usually shiny, shiny, and we usually know where it's going to shine. So, long story short, invest in solar because it's a it's a bet. It's a good bet for six hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> what about nuclear? So nuclear is another interesting one. You talking about nuclear? Yeah. Nuclear. Yeah. Here's my thought on nuclear. It's good. It's real good. Better. It's a bright, it's a bright <laughs> spot. Better or worse than solar. So the plus side about nuclear is the efficiency, right? So the energy yep. input and energy output is pretty good, and it's not super expensive. So it works very similar to how coal power plants work because it, they're just producing heat from the nuclear reaction. And so that heat is just, you know, right. So we're, it's the same process, so it's not much more of an investment than a coal power plant except for the new you know you get the nuclear side to deal with the nuclear uh the actual nuclear reaction and it's super efficient right and we can use up all basically all the energy in that uh whatever whatever the the uh input material is uh for the nuclear reaction right we can pretty much use up all the energy because we can just keep using it until it gets cold and once it's cold it's you know it's no longer nuclear basically right but it is it does have a little bit of uh residual radioactivity that's kind of the downside of nuclear is what do we do with the radioactive waste? Chernobyl. <laughs> we just find a hole somewhere on the earth and start dumping it? Right? No. We shoot it in space. Like, what do we do with this radioactive waste? And so, and what happens whenever there's an earthquake, like in Japan, right? Yeah. And this, these nuclear reactors are spewing radioactive material or Chernobyl or some other, right? So the downsides of nuclear are low most of the time, but can be very drastic Yeah, right? if it's not handled correctly. So if a problem occurs, you have catastrophic. Yes. There's no small problems in nuclear nuclear renewable energy. Nope. If you're going to have a problem, it's a big problem. Right. The military uses quite a bit of nuclear nuclear power. Right. They, they love it because they can have a thousand pounds of, you know. Uranium or whatever. Uranium or something, and it can move a ship for 10 years. So when I was in high school, a submarine nuclear engineer came and spoke to my class about his shit his you know is submarine right and he was saying that he actually gets less radiation while on the ship and interacting with the core maybe not the core around the components mm-hmm. than he does if he was on the surface from you know the sun or other other components that we use that's probably true that, I, could, I could believe that that that's un i would think that being closer to a nuclear reactor would make you yeah, have more. They have, I'm sure they have adequate shielding. We're pretty good about shielding. <laughs> it's just about shielding those those flying electrons, right? And so it's about keeping those in contained. So I mean, we're, we we can do shielding. The those submarines and other naval ships, they have weaponized. I believe uranium. I believe is what they use. Weapons grade. Weapons grade. They're, so it's power grade. Weapons grade goes in warheads. Okay, he said, obviously this was, you know, five years ago, six right. years ago, but he said it was weapon-grade uranium. It's quite possible. And that their fusion reactors or their nuclear reactors are, you know, a tenth the size of the civilian ones because they don't need as much uranium to create the same amount of power. Right, and they're about, they're talking about long-term power output, right? They don't care about a hard, a huge amount of power output. They just need power output for a long time. Because right, they're going to be pretty efficient about what they use for power on a submarine or on an aircraft carrier. And one of the interesting things that I never really thought about on those kind of ships was they stay down there for a really long time. Right. The 
the human factor in that kind of thing, uh, being underwater for so long, you get, you know, homesick or whatever. That's that's the key factor in why they come up. Um, you know, food, right, and the food. human factor. Right, 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 right. It's because we're human. Definitely not because we can't build something that can be underwater for a hundred years. That's. I think that's pretty amazing. Uh, but that's just me. Right. Is there any other talking points we want to talk about with nuclear? Uh, I don't think so. Well, oh, what would it take? Will the civilian side ever get to that, you know, weapons-grade uranium or... We also run out of uranium after a while. Uh, I can't speak to the chemistry side of things, but we will run out of uranium eventually. If we go uranium is synthes- can be synthesized or something similar? I, I could be wrong. That I'm could be far off. I'm yeah, assuming I'm... we'll run out. I I thought it could be synthesized. It but... may be, but you have to have energy to synthesize that. Yeah, that's How true. much energy does it take to make the uranium? And then that could be, you know... Right. Uh, a loss, lost cause. Right. Is there more energy input than energy output at that point? So do you use your nuclear reactor to make more nuclear things? Yeah. So is there more input than output? On these, on back to kind of Elon Musk stuff. SpaceX, do they don't use nuclear power on theirs? They just nope. hydrogen and oxygen. Hydrogen and oxygen. Most basic. <laughs> Most basic uh, burns fast and hot. What is it? The most basic combustion. Uh, combustion. Reaction. Well, I'm not a chemist. I took general chemistry, so I took something. Yeah, that's and a, I that's did not get a very good grade. Chemistry. I took something. So, on those, you're limited to, you know, your how much hydrogen you have and how much ox- oxygen. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's definitely kind of the drawback of where we're at, or how, you know, that's why we shoot up very big rockets, and the very big rockets fall back down the Earth, because we have to have a very big rocket to get the small rocket out of Earth's orbit, right, and so we have these huge launchers that are launched that hold huge amounts of hydrogen and oxygen to get the shuttle out of the orbit, and once it's out of orbit, it, you know, it can use very little hydrogen and oxygen to actually move, because it doesn't have gravity to deal with, but getting out of that gravitational orbit is pretty rough. It doesn't have as much gravity. It has other gravities, you know, acting on it, other forces. Uh, so what is new with SpaceX, uh, with Elon Musk? and I think they just, they're about to they launch, launch an, the Falcon Heavy, or did they already do that? I don't. I'm I, heard, sure, I saw I'm in the sure news. The Falcon Heavy launched. Uh, and re- I saw in the news recently that he they launched a rocket, you know, within the last month. Well, they're, yeah, they're, oh, they're, doing, they're always launching They're doing rockets. a lot of rocket lo- uh, Rocket launches, right? And satellites in orbit. Yeah, yeah. This Falcon Heavy's definitely launched. Uh, I think the, I mean, the next has BFR, right? Right BFR, now, we're, yeah. right now they're trying to kind of perfect the the reusable uh, rockets, right? Yeah. What does and so BFR stand for for those sitting at home and not me? A big rocket. A big rocket. All right. Big friendly giant. <laughs> or wait, a big freaking rocket. <laughs> that's close enough. Big freaking rocket. I'm and, sure that's what Musk And so said. it's it's going to launch soon? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I don't know how soon it's going to launch. They're trying to get the uh, reusable uh, reusable uh, rocket. It, it right? comes back into... Right. And so that's that's really what SpaceX has been pushing towards is reusing those rockets because those are super expensive to make, right? And so yeah, they're... NASA they're, knows. Yeah, NASA uses a bunch of them and they've definitely thrown a bunch of them away, right? But uh, that's been a big thing to reduce the cost to get to space is being able to reuse those rockets. And so that's kind of what they... I think what they've been primarily focusing on right now well because they're launching a lot of uh, satellites and things 
So they're just doing a bunch of launches to get that worked out. And here, I think uh, 2020, 2021 timeframe is when they're hoping to do a BFR launch uh, and actually be able to be almost to the spot they want to be uh, to start going out and exploring space. Do you think the the uh, Mars idea is realistic or just a fad to get? I definitely heard else? Musk what's, said what's he wants the Mars. What's the Mars idea? Fill me, fill me in. The fact that Elon Musk thinks that I th- I believe it's in the next fifteen twenty years, he he wants to colonize Mars. Okay. So they want to take the BFR and get it to Mars and right. back. I'm uh, guessing not the original BFR, or maybe a yeah, probably BFR two point Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, colonizing Mars, is that is that what your question is? Do you think that's practical in the next 15 years? Not practical. Not practical, but... Obtainable? Obtainable. Obtainable. Because yeah. I don't think it's practical. But is it possible? Well, I've seen The Martian, and... Or was it? Is it called The Martian with... What's yeah. his name? Yeah, definitely The Martian. I don't, got, think, I don't think... Matt Chance Damon. Goes, Matt Damon, Martian. yes. Yeah, he got, he got stuck on Mars. Yes, had to live there for like a year. I've seen uh, that. So Mars is not a very habitable place. You know what kind of survival things? So I've seen the movie, so I I know exactly what goes into it. But right, it's a movie, definitely true. Well, it's it's a documentary. Right, but basically, what what do you think didn't goes into? Are they going to build a space station? Is that is that what the next? Right, ultimately you're going to have to build something that holds humans on the face of the planet so you can have oxygen, right? You're going to have to build some sort of thing that we can inhabit uh, and then have the vehicles and things necessary to to move around. And so that's going to be a big a big time investment, just building out the infrastructure so we can just physically be there, right? So by the time that colonization will happen, we will have practiced multiple times, many times, on how to get there. Uh, I don't know about many times. It'll probably be like the second time. So you think? I think so. I'm pretty sure recently they said they so they they started the sign up the sign up list to go to Mars, and they said you have to be ready to die pretty much. So I don't know how many test runs they're gonna they're gonna do. Yeah, I bet we send some stuff to Mars and kind of let it float out there, and then once we be sure it's there, we'll send people, right? Because it's like a six year journey to Mars. It's not a quick pop, you know, it's not like get in your car and drive 20 minutes near a Mars. Well, way away. maybe we'll get there eventually. Right. A day trip to Mars. We'll, <laughs> we'll build fast. a light speed. elevator. Light speed. Yeah, right. And so, I think if you did light speed, it would be like a, Wouldn't maybe like long. a three or four minute. Yeah. I think it's like three or four minutes. We'll get there. We'll get there. Plus, yeah, but you got to get out of Earth's orbit before you go light speed. So, you know, it's probably a couple hours. That's going to be, you get out of Earth's orbit, get there. But it's three minutes of travel time on light speed. So, on this space station, you know, how many people do you think that they're going to, you know, initially have a test run on? I mean, you definitely need enough people to be able to do all the tasks, right? You're going to have to have a bunch of, you know, biologists, right? Botanists, obviously. Botanists, they're going to send Matt Damon. Engineers. Right. Yeah, Matt Damon's going to go up with them. Um, and, but, I mean, obviously these people need to be able to build. And you need people that You're are going to breed. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, on this sign-up list is... Their requirements. I'm sure there's a oh, height. I'm sure, and, there's... I'm sure there's a height and weight requirement, and probably an age requirement, and an yeah. age, certain level of physical. So what I'm trying to say it. is, when can I sign up, and how many requirements am I failing, so I can get there? 
Um, well, I mean, they're Let's definitely requirements, up. right? So they're definitely going to want people that are lightweight. Weight is a huge issue. Weight we'll get there. is hard. <laughs> right. So you're trying to pull something out of the Earth orbit. Anything that weighs anything is hard. If you can weigh a pound, then it's hard. Um, right. And so I'm sure they're going to sum of that. But yeah, the, you really got to look at a big picture here of the, the complement of people you're going to need to be able to do all the functions you need to do, right? You're going to need people to build things, right? Manufacture. You're going to have to yep. put the stuff together once you get it there and hope nothing's broken. What happens when something's broken, right? You're going to need something. You're going to have to fix the thing, right? You're going to need just the physical side of, of putting the stuff together and maintaining the, the physical infrastructure. And you're going to need the whole other side of, well, you, you need food up there, right? You can't just ship 20 years worth of food up there. And so, you know, they're going to ship quite a bit of food, but they're going to start growing food pretty soon. And so trying to grow the food, trying to get that going. Uh, we're definitely going to put some effort towards trying to get an atmosphere built up. And so there's going to be, you know, a, a lot of effort towards trying to build up the atmosphere and start that process because that's just going to take time. So yeah, when you millions of years. <laughs> when you build an atmosphere, mm-hmm. what goes into that? Well, you have to, uh, yeah, I don't know. You don't know? Okay. I have no idea what it takes to build an atmosphere. I'm guessing you just plant we, some we, trees. Well, we are currently guessing what it took to build Earth's atmosphere, but we have no idea. It took it's, millions of years, so it's, it's not, a, not an easy task. Okay, so we don't know what goes into that, and we're guessing. Right. And so Nobody there's knows. no. So what kind of things would happen if you got up there? And I mean, I guess the at, building an atmosphere isn't your top priority because it's going to take so long. You know. Right, but if it takes a while, you definitely start building. No, I completely agree with that. But if you have an issue, I mean, I guess you got to wait another six years. Right, and so the, the at, travel, le- at minimum, a minimum of six years. Yeah, the travel time is definitely a rough one, especially because. Uh, if they have a problem, right? If you if you find out there's a problem on the on Mars, you can get something together and ship it, but it takes six years to get there. And so it's not like you just immediately get a new part or immediately get a new anything up there. So you know, just wait till Jeff Bezos gets a hold of his uh, one day shipping to Mars. Yeah. yeah, one day shipping to Mars will be a a trick. Well, if anyone can do it, it can be him. Yeah, Jeff Bezos. I'll look him up. I'll, I'll put a. I'll he's put got a space company. He might do it. So, okay, so he has a space company. So my understanding was SpaceX was one of the only companies, so there's there's others? Yeah, well, so Bezos is not near as outspoken about all the stuff he does. Musk is pretty outspoken. We know a lot more about kind of Musk stuff, but Bezos definitely has a space company that he's been playing with. I don't know where exactly they're at, but he's definitely been playing around with space. So is the space industry privatized? Uh, it's getting there. It is not privatized yet. We still have NASA. So NASA is so still a thing, which, which is the government, right? Are but it's other, getting there. Is the United States still paying other companies to, to or not other companies, other countries to go to the moon or go to? I'm sure you know, we are right. The space. So you ha- you kind of have to if you're going to space. You kind of have to be all over the globe just because of of launched launch windows to launch out of the atmosphere. So they're not all the time, and depending on which direction you want to go. You definitely want to be pointed in that direction as you launch, okay. and so it <laughs> makes sense. It, being all around the globe makes a lot of sense, especially whenever you're. I mean, even just satellite launches, right? So you want to be in a particular orbit when you get up there, and so you want to be kind of in that general area before when you launch and when you get up there, you kind of want to be in the general right area. And so being all over the globe is just an important part of of going to space in general. So space force. Oh no, that's a besides the politics version. Besides the politics version, who are we fighting? We obviously need to change the name from Space Force to UNSC, which stands for United Nations Space Command. Then my dreams will come true. Uh-huh. But other than that, 
will the will the the world be putting together a space force if we have something to fight? Do we have anything to fight? Well, I'm not saying just as in exactly. Do we need fighting, a space force? As in space, as in space exploration, that should be a global thing, not just a United States thing or a certain company. Right, but yeah, currently with current economic stand standings in most of the world, the United States has probably the most money to burn, and so we're kind of just lighting money on fire, literally. To, to just for appearance, pretty much. Yeah, so, so we're space racing ourselves. Space we're, we're, cool. Exactly, so it's been kind of Musk's deal to do this, and he's pushing toward it. So right. the government, is the government giving him money to do this? Not that I know of. They're I buying, think they get a little buying, bit of subsidies. I mean, they're buying room on his rockets to go send their you know, satellites. satellites up to space and do you know whatever else okay. they want to do. They're they're paying for services, but he's providing the service. They're not paying him to, to then spend. You know, they're not giving him money to go R and D or to, to that, go to Mars. That's what I know of. Right? They're just buying his. I mean, there could be some space on his rock kind of things, but right. So that's that's interesting. That this is kind of Musk's thing. Yeah, I, and I Bezos's mean, thing. Well, Bezos, you know, not very outspoken as you said about it, but when we get to Mars, we colonize what? We're we gonna have to fight our the Martians. You well, know? I I don't know. Maybe are there? Martians? That's what space force is for. Are there Martians? Well, I'm saying, do we know they're Martians? Those people that have colonized there, you know, what happened when the United States? Oh, you're saying like 13? they secede? Yes, from the they, globe, I guess. Well, they're they're quite a ways away. Their so own nation. <laughs> they're quite a ways away, and do, they're kind of up a creek. If they, well, yeah, they. What kind of laws are up there? I mean, you're obviously out of. United States, so you don't have United States laws, but right. Under... So I'm assuming it'd fall under like the uh, the same type of law that maritime falls maritime. under, right? Though still no actual country controls it, but it's still a place that humans can be. That you can't, you know, still murder is still murder. It's not. Yeah, so there's still a place people can be, and so it would probably fall under like the maritime laws. That you know, type, you stole food from, you know, little Susie. You're right, a bad but, person. You're. Were but, you gonna send them back to Earth? The law side of things probably won't be as big of a deal until you get a pretty good-sized colony, right? So the first 20 or 30 years, I don't think the law I'm sure side that's of one things of the requirements. Would, be, would, be, uh, would be as big of a deal, right? Because you don't have very many people up there, right? You're talking maybe 100, 200 people. And, so you're, and those people are all working together to do something, right? So I don't think the law side of things would be that big of a deal until you get a, you know 1,000 people, 2,000, 5,000 people. I think the first quite a while, you wouldn't have to worry about keeping the peace. Uh, mostly because everybody's very dependent on everybody else to get the job done. And so it's not like you can just go kill somebody because then you won't have water or something, right? They're but, doing something productive. But would human nature take over? And whenever, I mean, all of them are going to be, they're, they're not going to be thriving in any way whatsoever. So right. someone will be take, sustaining. I think they're more, they'll be more cared about surviving than cared about, oh, you upset me, I'm going to kill you type thing. Yes, but what if I want well, we'll your get to that resources point. so I can survive? So, would that, so what kind of, would it be, you know, communist up there? Everybody gets this equal share of food and water and resources? It has or, to be. I mean, there's no other option. There's no, I mean, you can't. I mean, you're all working. Yeah. There's no capitalism. There's no there's no <laughs> right? You have 100 people. Money. Right? So, and, and you're very reliant on people back at Earth to send you stuff. So the second Earth erupts into a ball of flames, you're yeah. kind of out of luck because unless you built up enough infrastructure on Mars to sustain you indefinitely, you're out of luck. Right? So that you, you have to. You have to share resources. So that could become an issue, not just your the issues that you're dealing with on Mars. The issues that are happening on Earth are very much relevant. You know, if say 
somebody. Oh yes, definitely. Like attacks. if something happens to the United States of America and you're part of the U.S. You're colony, part of say say right? SpaceX if, sends if SpaceX you. SpaceX sends you up there and you're part of the right. And and something happens to the United States. You know, like we have a big famine or a big disease breaks out or something, right? Or an EMP we're, or you know, some, not, you know whatever it is. We're not going to have near as many resources to just fire off a rocket every three years to send a ton of stuff to you. So, water up there. I mean, obviously, you can grow food eventually. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Right. Water, to water your food, to, you know, right. do we send every, like you said, three years, send, you know, a tank of water? Well, we would definitely be sending a lot of water originally. I've heard rumors that there's that they found some water on Mars, but I don't know. It's all ice. I don't well, they could bring it. There's this crazy theory I saw one day. Yeah, this right, crazy here, theory here I saw guys. one day. So, so you just this guy was talking about how how you go and like launch nukes on Mars, just tons of nukes on Mars, heat up the core to where all the ice melts, and you pretty much create a primitive, a primitive planet, electromagnetic that, field. Yeah, yeah, and that's how an atmosphere begins to form. You get water, and you have your primitive Earth. I'm essence. sure Musk's open ideas. You should send him an email. I'll, I'll tell him. This isn't He'll King's hire idea, me. so he can't steal it. You're right. You're right. I saw it on uh, YouTube. Oh, good. Uh, so very realistic. Very realistic. Very realistic. Like the video. So that's that's interesting. I mean, yeah the the human side of things. If if somebody's sent up there, it's definitely going to be. I don't know. We're definitely going to have a pretty stable life on planet earth before we go up there because yes you're you're very i mean you're up there very vulnerable to what happens on earth right because you need supplies for the first handful of years before you can sustain yourself i guess you could send you know i mean you have hydrogen and oxygen so you could you know use those right oh, don't very have very much oxygen up down there yeah. right <laughs> you know you're 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 definitely in the vacuum of space you don't have very much of anything to work with other than what's on the planet what's what's stuck to the planet so you chop off some ice and you bring it inside put it in your brita filter you put it you put it in front of the sun for two seconds That's you put it you put it in your brita filter right and then it melts and then you just pour it out and you got water that's how i understand it yeah unless there's something in the water like mercury or lead or well, that's, metal, why, right? so that's why Brita. There may be a lot more work to do than just thawing the water because there's all sorts of nasty stuff in the water. And there's probably plenty of other stuff that you don't want to drink in the water. You put some water softener. Yeah, water water's, water's hard. And, well, the sun will soften the ice, which will make it water. Then your water's hard. Right. Then you put in your Brita filter. Mercury in it or something. Let's be honest. We're like 200 years away from making life sustainable on Mars. Probably longer. I don't know. You don't I think, think so? I think we could do it in 50. 50? I don't know. I don't know. I don't I'm going to double that and say 100, and I have no reasonable idea. I think it depends on what happens on the on Earth, right? How and many wars happen? We're, and... we're definitely, right, we've definitely been a little a little while without a major war, right? We've been, been, you know, World War II is the last major war. I mean, we had some other minor wars, but we've definitely been quite a while without a major war. If we can continue down that path and continue having a pretty stable life on Earth, I think we can do it in 50. But if something breaks out, we have you know a big plague that breaks out, or something un, you know unforeseeable happens. Climate change actually kicks us in the teeth and and causes some real issues. Uh, I think that type of stuff will make it a lot. Will take it a lot longer if we had a pretty like in good conditions. I think we'd do it in fifty. So, an ep- economic crash that would probably because, affect that. 
right. because you know SpaceX would not have as much money to send rockets. Exactly. So any any yeah any of that will affect anything on Earth will will have a huge impact on Mars, right? It's just a big a big uh, yeah. Anything will affect that, whether it's economic, you know. Economic, to me, it's more will anything, the right? Techno- the, do you think the technology will be there? In fifty years, I think we have, we have the technology almost right now. I think Musk is going to have the technology in ten years. Really? So, which uh, just can take time to do it. Yeah. Do you think we can ever get there faster? I mean, we'll get there faster incrementally, but I don't think we're ever going to be up to light speed. Yeah. That's just that's a lot. Yeah. Do you think fast. the people that are signing up now? So I think we may be able to get down to you know three years maybe, but I think three years is probably going to be the lowest we get to. Yeah, the travel because it's definitely a long way away. So, but in in fifty years, if you're firing rockets for forty of those, right? You you firing a rocket every year or two, right? That's quite a few rockets. Every year, you're sending forty rockets up there, and forty rockets carry quite a bit of supplies, right? And that's quite a bit of time to be up there and to find problems and to fix problems. I think forty years of of firing rockets continuously would would definitely we would definitely be well on our way, if if not. Self-sustaining. But By that does, time, you how have does SpaceX kids. profit off of this? They don't. So it's just the money. It's a right. Home. It's it's a thing that a lot of people are going to be. But... A lot of people that are going to have to be behind it, right? I don't. The government will eventually have to pay for it if it's going to be a sustainable thing, right? Because SpaceX definitely can't keep paying for it eventually. They're going to have the the ability to do it, but they're not going to be able to pay for it. Yeah, they just need to make a make a Patreon. Right, make a Patreon <laughs> for multiple trillions of dollars. Yeah. I think we can start a GoFundMe, and I think we can accomplish that. Maybe. But, you know, in 50 years, we, you know, that's, you know, people are going to have and, kids by then. And and I think a lot of it depends on where the economy is going in the near term, on what that looks like, right? Because we may have a lot of excess time on our hands with how far we're coming technologically. And so we may have a lot of extra time on our hands to do things like that. Uh, and uh, there was a movie about it. The guy. Interstellar? Interstellar. Yeah, Interstellar. Right, so they had all these people working on these on this stuff that they were building, right? So they were building a thing to escape the planet, but you know they they were kind of just having people do something, right? Because they were kind of out of things to do, and so they had a lot of people working on something to just do something. So I think that may play a part in it if we get to a point in our economy where we don't have to work near as hard as we work right now, and we have a lot more free time and a lot more free resources that we could put a lot more resources towards things like that, right? Yeah. And especially if we get more renewable energies, more energies that that will take a lot of effort right now, but once we get down the road in 20 years, they'll take a lot more effort. I think once we get down that path of that, plus robotics doing a lot of our stuff, self-driving cars, there's a lot of these things that, if as a human race, if we if we if we you know if we go down that path and and implement it successfully, I think we're going to have a lot more time and resources on our hands to do things like this. Any closing thoughts about anything, you know, whether it's Elon Musk? I don't do well. So are, the, are the robots going to kill us? Are the robots going to kill us one day? Is Probably. iRobot a real, <laughs> real threat? Yes. Yes. Why? Because you can make a computer do anything. They can program a computer to murder people, right? Like, you can make a computer do anything. But will they? Will they figure it out themselves? Figure it out themselves. Do, do it themselves. Completely will they secede and... Annihilate everyone. A, a separate race and just. I don't think so. So it'd be more of a human interaction thing. It would be more of a human cause to do that. Yeah. More so than a, the computer figured it out. How long? How long do you think until we have uh, 
run soldiers that are robots. Like you've seen the Boston Dynamics. Five have, years. I mean, we already have soldiers or robots called drones. Yeah, yeah, but boots on the ground. So you, I'd say five years. Humanoid robots don't make sense. Why not? Because you, it, your human movement is very inefficient. It's very more, very. It's a lot more efficient to have wheels. Okay. So it's very yeah. hard to make human movement. The wheels on the ground. Right. Wheels on the ground. Like wheels, no boots, just wheels. Wheels and even even tracks are much more efficient yeah. than human. Well, I'm pretty sure you know, Austin Dynamics has one of their I've robots has got tracks. Right, and so tracks and the wheels are much more efficient. And... So humanoid robots, no, no need. Yeah. You can just make a thing that has tracks and yeah. a gun on it. Yeah. But then you're just shooting other things that have tracks and guns on it. But we're just playing a big video game. Yeah. We should just do it all in VR. The dream. It's the same thing. Esports, right there. E-sports. That's real. That's real. E-sports, esports will turn into military technology, right? And so, I mean, what's the difference if you're shooting something physical that's a robot that moves and shooting another robot that's physical, or if you're doing it in VR, shooting robots that are, phys- you know, like yeah. we could fight in VR and it would be way more efficient. That gets into Ender's hey, Game. Makes sense. That movie Ender's Game. You guys probably never seen that. It's very. It's a weird movie. But all right. So, like, any any closing thoughts? That's that's it. I don't do well with super open open any questions. Well, I guess we'll end it here then. All right. All right. Thank you, Chance, for joining us. This is uh, Simply Technical. Episode one. Episode one. Yeah.